This is Jeffrey Kerr. Welcome to part two of my Reflections on 2019 episode. Previously, we highlighted some of the most notable interviews I've conducted this past year. On this episode, we'll be remembering some of the greats in the theater world we've lost in 2019. Back in late July, the legendary 21-time Tony-winning director-producer Hal Prince died at the age of 91. After having started out as a stage manager on Tickets, Please, Call Me Madam, and Wonderful Town, Hal Prince started to climb up the ladder when he produced the original Broadway productions of The Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, New Girl in Town, West Side Story, Fiorello, A Funny Thing Happens on the Way to the Forum, Fiddler on the Roof, and Flora the Red Menace. In 1963, he made his Broadway directorial debut with the original production of She Loves Me. Prince's future directing credits would include the original Broadway productions of Cabaret, Zorba, Company, Follies, A Little Night Music, Pacific Overtures, On the 20th Century, Sweeney Todd, Evita, Merrily We Roll Along, The Phantom of the Opera, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and Parade. He also directed Broadway revivals of Candide and Showboat. I myself had the great pleasure of being in the audience for the 2013 Tony Awards, where Hal Prince made an appearance to a well-deserved standing ovation to introduce a special 25th anniversary performance from The Phantom of the Opera. When I interviewed Joy Franz back in April, it was only a few months before Prince passed away, but we did touch on a couple of her collaborations with Hal Prince, including when she went into the original production of Little Night Music as a replacement. Would you mind telling us about your experiences doing a Little Night Music? Oh, it was just beautiful. I uh, came in, I replaced Terry Ralston. She left after three months. And then I came in, and I was Mrs. Nordstrom, and the quintet. Oh, my God, it was just a beautiful show. The plexiglass slides with the the trees painted on it, and the lawn was all green. Uh, It was a glorious show, and working with, uh, at this very moment, uh, uh, Prince. Hal Prince, well, I got to work with Hal, uh, with company, mm-hmm. and and then a little night music. Uh, who created the role of Desiree? Oh, Glennis Johns. Thank you. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, Glennis what, Johns. And I was her secretary for a short period of time because she loved how organized I was. Uh-huh. And <laughs> so I was helping her out uh, while I was doing the show. It was so much fun. Most recently, the legendary Tony-winning composer-lyricist Jerry Herman died at the age of 88. After having started out putting on reviews in New York, Jerry Herman got his first full-fledged Broadway musical in 1961 with Milk and Honey. Over the next few years, he had two major hits with 1964's Hello, Dolly! and 1966's Mame. Though since the latter show, he had several flops such as 1969's Dear World, 1974's Mac and Mabel, and 1979's The Grand Tour. Yet in 1983, 
Jerry came back with his first hit musical since Mame with La Cage au Folle. When he won the Tony for Best Original Score the following year, he said in his acceptance speech that this award forever shatters a myth about the musical theater. There's been a rumor around for a couple of years that the simple, hummable show tune was no longer welcome on Broadway while it's alive and well at the palace. Some perceived that remark as criticism of Stephen Sondheim's pointillistic scores though Herman had since denied that that was his intention. Back in January of this year, we lost the legendary Carol Channing at the age of 97. After having made her Broadway debut as an understudy for Eve Arden in Let's Face It at the age of 20, Carol Channing went on to have more prominent roles in Proof Through the Night and Lend an Ear before gaining more recognition when she originated the role of Lorelai Lee in the original production of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. It was only 14 years later when Channing came to national prominence when she originated the titular role of meddling matchmaker Dolly Gallagher Levi in the original Broadway production of Hello, Dolly. That role not only earned Channing her only competitive Tony Award, but she also went on to play it again on stage for many years. When the national tour of Hello, Dolly came to Durham, North Carolina back in May, I, of course, had to ask two-time Tony-nominated actor Louis J. Stadlin, who was in the show at the time as Horace Vandergelder, about the late, great Carol Channing. Obviously, we can't talk about Hello, Dolly without talking about the recently deceased Carol Channing. She passed away back in January of this year, and I heard the tour got to pay tribute to her after a performance. We did in San Diego, yes. Uh, Betty stepped out and, you know, mentioned to the crowd that Carol Channing was, of course, the person who immortalized the role. The first time I saw Hello, Dolly was in the 90s. They brought it back to New York uh, after an extended tour around the country. She was just remarkable. I mean, she was a great antic comedian. And uh, I remember it was a, a, a matinee, a Wednesday matinee. And I thought after the first 40 minutes, she's never going to get through this. And she was pacing herself. And uh, <laughs> by the middle of the play, she just, you know, became like the steamroller. And uh, there's a great speech at the end of uh, Hello, Dolly, about money, about spreading money around, which is very interesting. You know, it's a satire. Uh, it's a satire about the, the uh, constructive use of money and uh, how uh, money should not be everybody's top priority, and yet you, you certainly need it. And she did that speech with the greatest of integrity. I remember being so impressed. And then when uh, she came out, I jumped to my feet and standing ovations have become obligatory in the theater because the theater is so expensive. I personally don't believe in that. And uh, perhaps I've given back to standing ovations maybe 10 times in, in my life. But that was one that I thought was totally well-deserved. Yeah. And had you ever met Carol Channing in your lifetime? I did, but, you know, at Sardis, and I think I, you know, told her how I jumped to my feet. And if I couldn't give a standing ovation to Carol Channing playing Hello, Dolly, well, who could I stand for? <clears throat> That's what I told her. Yeah. Back in early July, the veteran director and lyricist Martin Charnin died at the age of 84. 
After having started out on Broadway as an actor in the original production of West Side Story, Martin Charnin then transitioned into writing lyrics for several musicals such as Hotspot, La Strada, and Two by Two. Perhaps his most famous credit was not only writing the lyrics, but also directing the original Broadway production of the beloved 1977 musical Annie. Over the years, Charnin went on to direct many productions of that same musical all over the world. Later that month, North Carolina Theater presented their production of Annie, and before that, I got to talk to Tony-winning actress Karen Ziemba, who appeared in the production as Miss Hannigan, about the then-recently-deceased Martin Charnin. As you mentioned, Martin Charnin, yeah, we can't talk about Annie without talking about him being, of course, recently deceased. He was not only right. the lyricist, but he also was the original director of, well, he directed many productions over the years, not just on Broadway, but around the world. And he yes. also was kind of the brains behind it all. Right. He, kept, he really kept that the machine running, so to speak, and um, made sure that it was done correctly and with all the heart and technical aspects of it that were important for it to run smoothly because it's got a lot of moving pieces and you have a lot of children in it that's a task while this death happens in september of 2018 i knew i also had to ask karen ziemba about the death of her longtime friend and colleague Marin Maisie. and uh, one of your most recent collaborations with susan stroman was bullets over broadway back in 2014 which also had Marin Maisie in the role of helen sinclair and Marin sadly died of ovarian cancer almost a year ago at this point what were your memories of working with her well, I worked with Mar- became very good friends with Mary Maisie over 20 years ago in And the World Goes Round. Oh. That was uh, one of Stroman's shows also. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> uh, Marin and I worked together at the West Side Theater um, off-Broadway in that. And then we did the tour, the national tour together also. So we became very good friends, and we have been friends since then. And then when I had been approached about auditioning for Bullets Over Broadway for the Broadway production when they finally were going to put it into a Broadway, you know, really going on the boards. I remember calling Marin and asking her about the piece and, and how much she, encouraging she was, <clears throat> saying, yes, we'd love, we want you to do this. And she really took care of me. She <clears throat> talked to the producers and she said, you know, this, this person you should hire and I want this girl to be in the dressing room next to me. <laughs> she really took care of me. She was sort of like my big sister, you know, putting, taking me under her wing because she had been involved with the project for a while already. So my recollections of Marin in that show were fantastic. She was wonderful in the show, too. We're really positive. And then, of course, soon after that, I went to see her in all the productions that she did, all of her... You know, her concert club acts that she did, 54 Below. I saw her in The King and I when she took over. I saw her in, um, I can't remember the name of the play. She did the Terrence McNally play at Classic Stage Company that she was in about Majinski and Diaghilev. That was a wonderful play. Uh, so I continued to see her in all her theatrical endeavors, and she was wonderful. So it was it was just a terrible, terrible tragedy that she left this world. But she, she became an advocate or getting awareness out there about ovarian cancer. And she left a great legacy. And she was a great leader whenever any production, theatrical production she was part of. She was always taking care of others and, and, and setting a great example. She was a very special lady. Back in April, 
The legendary Tony-winning playwright behind Children of a Lesser God, Mark Medoff, died at the age of 79. In August, I interviewed actress Erin Sullivan, who was getting ready to put on her one-woman show with Love, Marilyn at Temple Theatre. She had previously developed and originated the role of Marilyn Monroe in what was a new play by Medoff titled Marilyn and Babyland, The Assassination of an American Goddess, which premiered at the Rio Theatre in New Mexico. I, of course, knew I had to ask her about her memories of Mark Medoff. And Mark Medoff recently passed away back in April of this year. So I guess, what do you have to say in regards to his work and, I guess, working with him? Um, Mark was, uh, that was, his passing was extremely difficult for me as I was uh, very close with him for the last couple years of his life. Um, getting to work with him and be mentored with him, and I did call him Pa, I called him, he was a father figure to me. Um, was is one of the most rewarding experiences in my life. Not even just artistically, but as a person. Um, Mark was a, a genius, and I was constantly in awe. I'm, I, I know I'm incredibly lucky to have had the opportunity to work under him, work for him, to create with him. Um, it, it's, he was, it, I don't even have enough words without getting choked up um, how much Mark meant to me. And um, I... I'm very prideful, and I, I take everything that he give, gave me on stage and off, and I, I try to, to always put that into my work and, and know that, like, I, um, the, the writing world will never be the same. You know, he's, he, was a, he was a genius, and he was one of the kindest human beings I'd ever met. Well, yeah, he, of course, also meant a lot to the deaf community with his most famous work, Children of a Lesser God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, and I had the privilege of getting to know quite a bit of the foundation of uh, the people who really helped, you know, take that off. I was actually there opening night when it had the revival on Broadway. I was actually babysitting his uh, grandchildren <laughs> while mm. they were at the show across the street. Wow. But uh, Bob Steinberg, who was Phyllis's husband, who Bob, um, uh, Mark wrote Children of Lester God for Phyllis and how they created Deaf West. Um, I became very close with Bob Steinberg as well during um, Marilyn and Baby Lamb. Really outstanding people. Very Amazing. Stay tuned for part three as we'll conclude our reflections on the year that was 2019. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash podcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at CareReviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.